Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Carolina Weather Group. This is the Wednesday, April 25th, 2018 edition of our little weather get-together, show number 229, and that features Mr. Andrew Wakano from the National Weather Service in Blacksburg, Virginia. We're going to be talking about the Enhanced Weather or hence hazardous weather outlook product. Uh, maybe if you're a weather weenie, you may know about the hazardous weather outlook. If you're not a weather weenie and you're just joining in tonight, we'll talk to you about the uh, new product that's going to be started uh, with many of the National Weather Service offices in the uh, coming months. And Andrew's office up in Blacksburg, Virginia, it's kind of been a test bed for that. So we're going to talk to you, Andrew, and see how that's went so far. And uh, um, he's going to kind of show us the different products of that. So. Hopefully, uh, after tonight's show, you'll kind of be up to the know of what's coming down the road here, maybe for your local weather office. But before we get into tonight's conversation, as always, we have a few housekeeping rules. This is a live broadcast, so if you want to uh, join us tonight with the uh, conversation, you can do that one of many ways. Uh, the best way, though, is to reach out on us on Twitter. It's at Carolina WX Group. Uh, we'll be monitoring the Twitter, Twitter feeds throughout the night, and uh, if you have a question for Andrew, uh, throughout the show, we'll make sure he sees that. You can also submit those questions via Periscope and Facebook Live. And if you're listening on the uh, YouTube uh, live cast or maybe the podcast later on, we'll let Andrew kind of share uh, the information out how to reach his weather office uh, there in Blacksburg. And you can submit those questions via that way. So we'll do that towards the end of the show. So uh, that is our show tonight. Looking forward to it. It's been a, kind of a, another busy week throughout the Carolinas. Uh, this week, though, has been a lot of rain and flash flooding and flooding, so we'll talk about that. But before we do that, it's kind of a slow crew tonight. I'm going to bring in an old friend of ours. Yes, he still is around, Ricky Matthews, uh, who is joining us tonight from Bristol, Tennessee. Ricky, uh, we're glad to have you off your Storm Chase WCYB uh, Storm Cruiser tour and, and having you back here tonight with us. Yeah, that and a combination, just a couple other things, and uh Oh, life. It gets in the way sometimes, doesn't it? But uh, excited to be back and uh, glad to be here and looking forward to tonight's show, Scotty. Ricky, we're glad to have you back here. Let's uh, go over to uh, Jordan, who is uh, joining us tonight from the uh, Chapel Hill area. Jordan, uh, I know uh, it's been rainy in your area. How much rain did you guys pick up? Hey, Scotty. Uh, yeah, we got um, a couple of, you know, maybe an inch or two in this area. Um just you know, some of the some of the convection to the south, I think, robbed us of some instability. So we didn't get quite as much as some of the models were anticipating. But nonetheless, a pretty good soaking for the ground. Get rid of some of that pollen, which this time of the year is always nice. Um, just been a really kind of overcast, dreary couple of days, and the sun finally peaked its way out here this evening, which was a welcome sight for us over here in the Triangle. It was, and Jordan, I don't, we didn't have you on with us last week. Uh, those tornadoes were in Greensboro was pretty close to you. Sure was. I was actually, let's see, about 10 miles, I would say, as the crow flies uh, from that Greensboro tornado, tracking it closely. And yeah, just pretty crazy. I mean, just that supercell, how long it persisted, you know, all the way from, I think I saw a graphic uh, Dennis Mercero put together showing the origination of that supercell could be tracked all the way to southeast Georgia. And it wow. tracked, you know, all the way up through the Carolinas into Virginia. Just an incredibly long track supercell and obviously dropped several tornadoes along its path. The uh, the Guilford County or Greensboro tornado probably being the most prominent. But, uh, yeah, just, a you know, a, a spring, typical, somewhat typical April spring day in the south. I'm glad it's typical in the fact that we're not have to really deal with the cold air or the snow anymore. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jordan, thank you for that. Let's go down to uh, the Low Country tonight and bring in Shay Gibson in Charleston. Shay, how's things down your way this evening? Well, things are, are pretty good. I think it's safe to say that we are probably on our way into spring without any uh, any further ado. I mean, I, I don't see anything changing between uh, now and, and the end of April, for that matter. Uh, but if you can see my screen here, things are, are fairly quiet this evening. That sort of background westerly wraparound flow from the low pressure that came through uh, two days ago was pulling out of the area. So we had a really wet Monday uh, where rain, record rainfalls over the Charleston area. But we had some uh, pretty decent sea breezing today. And even with sea surface temperatures down around 66, uh, 64 to 66 degrees, we're still seeing some pretty decent winds. There was mid to upper teens along much of the southeast coast today. 
from the south southwest or even southwest but we're seeing those westerly land breezes kick back in again uh but here's for charleston for those that want to know i mean look at that you can't really say much more than spring is here for sure um you know we, we typically won't see any cold spells even in the first week of may but, uh, it looks like our warm temperatures are here to stay it's just going to be up and down with rain uh sun and rain and you know the flowers are out so if you're if you're busy planting now's the time to get it if you haven't already it's uh it's beautiful out beautiful day today expecting maybe a stormy day tomorrow we have a little bit on the marginal side uh for thunderstorms uh but we're we're, we're looking pretty good in fact we could use a little bit more rain our severe drop monitor let me share one more screen this will be updated tomorrow and this is for the southeast region so uh you can see that uh as of last week's uh reading that some of some of the areas in southeast are in d2 which is severe and i expect this to be graduated by tomorrow morning 8 30 a.m when they come out with their new maps so it'd be interesting to see what what, what uh, this looks like but any more rain is welcome uh, for tomorrow as well. And going into that, Scotty, that's all I can say. It's beautiful here. We're enjoying it. The waters are warming up, and uh, we're, we're enjoying the weather. Have you been out kiteboarding any? Uh, absolutely, yes. I mean, I can't remember the last day we haven't had wind <laughs> along the coast. So if, if even if it's shifted to the east-northeast or the south-southwest, one way or the other, it's come up almost every single day. I think a lot of folks are maybe looking forward to the break tomorrow. <laughs> Also, or not but thank, <laughs> thank you for that report shay and uh i'm gonna toss it to ricky and let ricky uh start off our interview tonight so ricky it's all yours all righty thank you so much scotty andrew welcome to the show we're glad to have you thank you very much it's good to be here ricky thank you so much so just kind of give us a little baseline we asked this to a lot of our guests uh how did you get interested in weather and how'd you end up at the weather service there in uh blacksburg yeah so i the weather, I think most people, if you ask any weather hobbyists, I mean, it's one of those things where they've followed weather most of their lives, and it's really no different with me. Um, I'm from Massachusetts originally, as I'm sure many of you probably can pick up my accent, or you will on this show as it, as it goes along. Um, and so really snowstorms, that was that was my thing up in Massachusetts. Um there was one event, actually, it's the 20-year anniversary of, it was uh, May 31st, 1998. Uh, we actually had a, a real bad uh, severe weather outbreak in the north in the northeast. Uh, real bad tornado outbreak in New York. I think it was the worst on record. I think it still is. Um, and we had some, some pretty impressive storms, even at my parents' house in uh, Worcester, Massachusetts. And that really sort of, uh, really sort of, you know, set my sort of career path in motion at that point. I think that sort of solidified it. Um, and I went to college at uh, Plymouth State University um, in Plymouth, New Hampshire. Uh, I was there for five years, got my my bachelor's and my master's up there. And, um, you know, my first job was at the Climate Prediction Center in uh, Camp Springs, Maryland at the time, but it's now in uh, College Park. So I was there for two years. Uh, left uh, Climate Prediction Center in 2011. It got me some great, you know, climate knowledge that, um, you know, sort of served me well. And then I moved to um, the Weather Service in Burlington, Vermont, where I was there for a good five and a half years. Um, got to do a lot of uh, uh, winters up there. They're long and they're harsh, um, but so it was it was good to get back to, to winter, but I was looking for something a little, little a little warmer climate, you know, sort of more seasonal for uh, sort of four seasons. Uh, so I moved down to to Blacksburg um, here in October of actually it was Halloween of 2016. So just for a little over a year, year and a half now, getting close to that, uh, and it's been it's been great. Um, it's been it's been really good. We were chatting kind of before the show started of just how wide Blacksburg's CWA is and the extremes of weather in one part of the region versus the other part of the region. For people who aren't familiar with where Blacksburg is, uh, give us kind of a, a geographic profile of your CWA. Sure. Uh, so we cover uh, portions of three states, um, the largest of which is Virginia. Uh, we cover um, areas from Buckingham County in, in central Virginia all the way down to 
to Charlotte County in Central Virginia, all the way west. Um, you know, it, it sort of just um, sort of skips the uh, sort of the far southwest Virginia, Bristol area. Um, that's covered by our sister office in Morristown, Tennessee. Um, but we also cover uh, four counties in southeast West Virginia, uh, Greenbrier County, Summers, Monroe, and um, uh, Mer uh, Mercer counties. So that's that's all covered in our in our forecast area. Um, so we cover you know, Greenbrier is you know, pretty popular for good resort town, the PGA golf tour um, that they have the um, the the Masters is one of their um, one of their events there at, at the Greenbrier. Um, so we cover those four counties, and then we cover the, nor the northern mountains of North Carolina, um, Watauga, Ash. Allegheny counties, um, sort of the foothills, um, Yadkin, uh, Surrey, uh, Wilkes counties, and then you get into sort of the northern, sort of the upper North Carolina Piedmont, sort of just outside of the triad, uh, Rockingham, Caswell, and Stokes counties. So that it covers a large area, um, differences in topography. Um, so you have sort of, you know, here in Blacksburg, uh, it's 2,100 feet, um, you know, versus out in the Piedmont where it gets down to like 500 feet. So it's, it's quite a, it's quite an interesting contrast. So you get a whole lot of different sort of weather, um, different climate. Yeah. You know, that's sort of what we sort of cover here. So it's, it's pretty fascinating just how, how much elevation changes, different weather patterns, uh, really governed by that sort of terrain. Always something different in our area, it seems like, uh, from one week to the other. All right. Well, let's chat a little bit about the uh, product you guys are putting out, this enhanced experimental hazardous weather outlook. How does it differ from what we're typically kind of used to seeing in that text version? Yeah, so the it serves as sort of a, a complement to the, to the text hazardous weather outlook, which you may have seen. Um, you know, one of the big drawbacks to the to the text hazardous weather outlook is that it's it's just it's a descriptive sort of of, of product. It's it just uh, it's all free form text um, that just sort of describes in general terms where there may be a potential need for um, either some sort of a watch, a warning, or advisory, or just uh, just the general awareness that there may be some hazard that is coming up in the next few days. Um, but what the uh, the experimental enhanced hazardous weather outlook, what this does is it's more graphical. Um, you're able to see um, uh, sort of more just, it's actually just straight from our weather service office forecast database, um, all those sort of weather information that covers things from fire weather, uh, severe weather, uh, severe storms, tornadoes, winds, um, both non-thunderstorm and thunderstorm winds. Um, so it does that in sort of a graphical display, um, just shows sort of more, you can look at this map and it gives you a, a great idea of sort of what hazards may be coming up over the next week. I like to think of it as a way to sort of plan your weather week kind of, kind of thing in terms of hazards. Um, so that's, that's often good for big picture kind of things. And it's, it's, it's been, it's proven to be pretty good. Um, we've used it in different briefings and things like that. It's proven to be pretty, pretty good. Uh, how did the idea come up? Uh, was it just something in our office or was it suggested from a different office and you guys are testing it out or, or how did it come up? Yeah. So it came from, uh, it came from a, actually from New York city. Um, actually, um, that's the first office sort of in our sort of region that actually had started it. I believe it actually got started. It originated from the weather service in Springfield, Missouri. Um, and you sort of New York city got word of it. And they were sort of like the pilot, op, sort of the testbed office, initially in um, sort of our eastern region here. Um, it actually debuted in the January blizzard of 2016 up there. So that's sort of when they sort of rolled it out. And it had good feedback uh, from some, some of their core partners, which is good. Um, and just, you know, just over the last, um, you know, so my when I first got here, it was just starting to be implemented at a few, few sort of test bed offices. They expanded it to a smaller sort of subset of offices here. And fortunately here in Blacksburg, we are one of them. Um, in terms of the Carolinas also, 
Uh, Morehead City is also a test bed office, as is Columbia, South Carolina. Uh, so those those are sort of the three sort of Carolina offices that currently have it. So, yeah, so it was more or less just a um, it sort of started from one office and just offices got word of it and we're starting to test it out. So forgive me if you've answered this, but when did the product start? Um, so it, it really sort of started here in sort of the eastern region um, in January of 2016 is sort of when it got rolled out. Um, so that's um, and that's that's an example that you see on your screen um, of the of what the product actually looks like. Um, so, yeah, so it was in 2016 is sort of when it got started here. Um, I'm not entirely sure when Springfield actually started it. It probably was um, a few months before then, um, but it's it's been sort of been carried over across uh, Eastern region here. So that's um, so we're just, you know, hope by this summer um actually uh really all of eastern region offices um will have this live uh, so okay. you can see this in an, at least in an experimental sense but all offices will have this capability come this summer jay if we could pull that back up for a second if possible uh and, and kind of have andrew walk us through it uh, and see a lot of different color opportunities and things like that. So kind of walk us through what people are seeing on this page and then what you guys are hoping to communicate in the different products and hazards. And, and Andrew, also, if you, if you wanted to do a screen share yourself and flip back, I think you had um, Outer Banks and Hatteras up earlier that you could sort of compare and contrast some of the uh, severe outlooks ongoing now. Yeah, that would be, why don't I go ahead and do that? That would be, okay. um, that's probably easier. So you should be seeing my screen at this point. Um, and this here is the uh, is the experimental uh, product that we're sort of running, the, this enhanced hazardous weather outlook. You also heard it be called as sort of the graphical HWO, um, just because it's, you know, as opposed to the, to the text product, which on this page, you can just click on this little image here. So link right there will bring you straight to the to the hazardous weather outlook text product if you want if you wanted to see that um, but this is sort of a neat little new service that we're the weather services sort of getting involved with um, so there's this little graphic here that covers in this case the default one here is the severe thunderstorm risk but um, over here on the on the right we have this um, sort of what's called um, sort of colloquially anyway the chiclet chart it looks like sort of those those chiclet sort of candies that you may have had as a kid in the 80s and 90s. Um, and what you can do for each specific, say, say you wanted to know about what the lightning risk was, um, say, on Friday. You just click on this little image and it would change um, to the lightning risk. And it's sort of color coded by, um, by threat. Um, so, for example, if there's a limited risk of lightning, um, that would be shaded in yellow. Likewise, all the way up to significant, uh, that would be shaded in, in red. And then extreme would be, um, that would be shaded in purple. And if you wanted more information about what those sort of categorical thresholds, what does that even mean? Uh, sort of down here at the bottom, there's a listing of sort of how that is uh, put together. Uh, so, for example, for, um, for limited, um, a limited lightning threat, it would be sort of a, if you have, say, scattered thunderstorms in your forecast, um, you would, if this would show up as a limited color. So you'd see a, several sort of pixels of yellow that would show up. Um, you know, likewise, if it's, if it's extreme, um, this would indicate um, nearly continuous cloud of ground lightning strikes. Um, and it's, this is sort of difficult to really, um, really sort of quantify, especially in a, in a big, like in a day. Um, because really this, this comes down to several, I mean, really, I mean, really just a few, a few minutes to an hour. Um, so sometimes that'll be shaded in purple, um, in a case where you're really expecting, um, continuous lightning, um, say from severe weather, severe thunderstorms, um, slower moving thunderstorms, just because you have those storms that are slow moving, you're more likely to get thunder lightning at greater frequency in one area, um, so that's sort of an example of how lightning works, uh, sort of lightning risk hazard would work. 
Um, and then some of these, um, in terms of hazards, some of these just come straight out of our, um, just sort of our weather forecasts that we put out, um, you know, four, four, five, six times a day. Um, and we'll try to update this usually twice a, twice a day. Um, if there is some active weather, um, for instance, if we have watches up um, or watches or warnings, then we'll tend to update this a little more frequently to sort of indicate, um, you know, sort of that the threat is ongoing or the threat's ended. Um, that, that's sort of the approach there. Um, so, for example, excessive heat, that, that keys straight off of the um, heat index product. Um, so that's, that's indicated. We also have excessive cold, um, in the, in the winter time, in which case it keys off of the windshield temperature. Um, and you can just see the different thresholds there that sort of are sort of defined here in this little table down here and just some impacts that, you know, are, are possible or even likely with some of these sort of conditions and sort of the idea to, you know, take necessary actions to keep yourself from experiencing these sort of hazards. So the nice thing is about this um, sort of layout is it gives you, you know, again, it's sort of a way to sort of plan um, sort of a, a weather planner for, you know, hazards, I guess is probably the best way to describe it. Um, so currently sort of in our area, there's really not a whole lot of active weather. Um, there are some flood warnings that we have in effect for some of our river basins. Um, but uh, what I'll do is I'll show you um, on this next screen here is a little more instructive where it sort of shows more um, more colors where it's a little busier. Um, for example, this is um, uh, more at cities um, has this weather outlook. They're another office that's running it. And for example, here's the lightning risk. Um, so they, you know, somewhere at city likely had some, you know, isolated scattered thunderstorms across you know portions of their forecast area um since they're a coastal office they deal with um you know have marine hazards as well um, so they'll cover they'll cover some of those in there as well um winds and waves high surf um, and likewise they can do um uh, you can click again just pick any any point in time, just click on these little chiclets here. If, you, if there's a certain hazard you want to key on, for example, I want to know what my risk of non-thunderstorm winds is uh, on, say, Sunday. And you can see there's there's a few pixels of them, sort of along the uh, sort of along the Outer Banks Hatteras area. Uh, so that's and then again, you can always just go down to the bottom here, and you can see sort of what that why why it's colored like that you know for example this little limited area means that there's sustained winds of 20 to 29 miles per hour or there's gusts 30 to 44 miles per hour which you know could you know blow blow over some tents um you know or you know some other you know even some shallow rooted trees um that's that's also a possibility uh, so it is sort of a really nice product that you can um, that you could sort of really sort of gain a lot of input on uh, just to sort of plan your week, which is sort of the best way to describe it. Great for big picture. They want to just like a big picture look um, as far as, you know, hazards coming up in the next in the next seven days. Um, so that's all. That's sort of just a quick little overview of what the um, what the enhanced weather outlook is. Um, so that's. That's sort of what we're sort of looking at. So, Andrew, I got a, a couple of questions for you. We'll start with number one. And sure. uh, let me get that stop presenting on, on you there. Um, that particular product, is that populated off of a gridded system that you operate from through forecast populating those those areas? Or is that more of a human element driving uh, most of the, the tables that you have? Yeah, that's that's a good question. Um, so a lot of that is just falls right out of our forecast database um, sort of our forecast grids that we manipulate every day and um, we'll issue the um, sort of our forecast packages that come out um, there are a couple on there that are sort of more manual um, the flooding one especially is one that is one that's almost entirely um, at discretion of forecasters in terms of how they want to 
to code that. And I could show that here really quickly. Um, I'll just sort of share my screen here again, um, just for the for the flooding one. Um, like say for example, for us, I mean, it's a possibility we could have had you know at least some limited um, flooding here, um, indicated for uh, sort of one of our uh, Roanoke Basin here, um, sort of in the in the Randolph area. And likewise, in the South Boston as well, there's some river flood warnings that are up there. Um, so it is sort of subjective there. Um, you know, flooding again, it's it's that's probably one that is you know is really one that is sort of subjective and up to the forecaster how um, to sort of input that. Um, you know, a lot of times, some forecasters will key off the um, the excessive rainfall outlooks that WPC issues. Um, as sort of a, a proxy for sort of describing a, an expected uh, hazard. Uh, for example, they may color they may color it elevated if um, say there's a slight risk of, of you know flooding. I think that was the case for the recent rainfall we've had just over the last few days, sort of in our southern Blue Ridge counties, um, from uh, Floyd to uh, Watauga counties. Um, so that is the one that is sort of subjective. Um, but the, uh, the tornado, the severe weather ones, those all come from SPC. Um, the exception is like beyond day four. Right. Yeah. I was going to, that's, that's a good point. That was going to be my second question was, uh, going by SPC convective outlooks. Uh, those usually stop at day three, but your table goes out to day six in your, in your tables for hazardous weather outlooks. But I'm sure that that's all. I mean, you had non thunderstorm winds there too. That's reading off GFS and other models as well to sort of feed the, the overall winds in the area. So, um, yeah, did you want to, to, to take that one past day three? Yeah. Um, yeah. So those, again, that severe thunderstorm risk that all comes from, um, the SBC convective outlooks, um, beyond day, I mean, day four to day seven, um, that is, that is, uh, sort of, that's also sort of manual forecaster, um, sort of discretion if they, choose to um, include that. Um, typically, um, what is done if there's, um, if SBC has drawn in an area uh, on the day four to seven outlook, um, if it's a 15% um, probability of severe weather within 25 miles of a point, um, then it would get shaded in um, as elevated. Um, so that's sort of what, you know, you can sort of expect for the day four to seven sort of period in the EHWO. Um, and that's just the acronym there, um, the EHWO. It's sort of what we call it. Are you getting ready to talk? Um, but, uh, yeah, for, but for day, day one through three, that all just keys off of the SBC outlooks, which is good consistency between, you know, sort of the local offices and um, sort of the, the experts at uh, the Storm Prediction Center. So, Andrew, I have a question. My little cousin David's here. He's he's wanted to join in on the conversation. Uh, how is emergency managers? How, how have they uh, adopted adapted to this? Do they do they like the new product, or have you really had any feedback from them? Um, to my to my knowledge, um, I haven't been aware of any feedback. Um, but um. I do know from other offices that, especially, I mean, New York City had several, um, several positive uh, feedbacks, um, you know, up there. Uh, but specific to Blacksburg, um, I'm not 100% aware of any. Um, at least that I've, at least that I've seen. It's poss possibility that, um, and just to show you how to get to it, um, just from our office here. Um, you know, weather.gov slash RNK under current hazards. Um, just sort of hover over that little link there. And you go click down to enhanced hazardous weather outlook. Um, it's a possibility that maybe the emergency managers or uh, uh, state official, county officials, you know, maybe they're just not, you know, just aware of it. It's, it's sort of more difficult to find. I, I wonder if maybe that has something to do with it. But at least to my knowledge, um, we haven't heard of, of much feedback, um, that, at least that I'm aware of. 
I'm just going to say the, the way that it's broken down and by the days and, and the levels of hazards, I feel like that'd be pretty useful for them as they do their advanced planning. And I think you had said that, you know, you guys help with the Greenbrier golf tournament at, at the PGA tour and stuff. So uh, even with Virginia tech football, it seems like it would be easy for uh, those officials to kind of look at this, you know, a few days out and say, Hey, here's the hazards that we really need to be paying attention to. Yeah, and um, I do know that uh, New York City is using it to brief um, uh, FEMA Region Two. Um, so, so they're so in that case, it's I mean, it's it's gone federal um, up there, so which is good. Um, and you, and you're absolutely right. I mean, some offices, some of these test offices, I've been using them in sort of just partner briefings, um, you know, just to give them a quick little heads up that, and really, that's what this product is is designed for. Uh, just a, a big picture look of expected hazards coming up in the next um, one to six days. So this is it's pretty good. Um, that's you know certainly you know I think moving forward that would be a great um, a great way to sort of just give a quick little brief to um, sort of emergency management officials and sort of our sort of our core partners. Indra, I noticed on some of the products that, you know, it's kind of based on a criteria. Uh, is there any thought given into how widespread an event would be, if it's going to be, you know, duration or impact level, something like that? Does that factor into the, the level, I guess, that's given? Um, that's um, in terms of how... Um, it, that probably is a factor, um, but a lot of this, um, so there's several, several of these sort of elements here sort of fall right out of our, out of our forecast grids. And some of the forecasters, they can do some, some editing to it um, just to, you know, in a case where say you have um, say a long duration snow event where maybe significant doesn't cover it. Um, forecasters can edit that, you know, sort of up or down. Um, depending on, they can edit that sort of that hazard grid there, um, and just they can edit that up and down to sort of convey the threat. If, for instance, if it's a long duration snow event, um, or if it's one of those, if it's like a heavy wet snow, because um, that that often causes more you know impact than sort of a light sort of puffy floury uh, powdery kind of snow. Versus, you know, like a heavy wet snow where it weighs on trees, downs power lines. Um, you know, it's more difficult to shovel. So there's sort of like a human health element there. Um, so, yeah, forecasters, they can edit those um, to sort of if it is sort of a more prolonged um, uh, sort of event that, you know, could be widespread. Um, it's it, but that's sort of a good little starting point. That. Um, you know, at least as a start, and then forecasters can edit it as they see, as they you know deem necessary. But that's sort of one thing that may sort of factor in. Gotcha. Um, can you give us an example of something that was an extreme day? Um, let's see. Um, extreme. I don't. I I don't know if the actually the March. Um, if the March snow event we had, uh, sort of the March 24th snow event we had in the New River Valley here in, um, in Virginia, I don't know if that would have added up. And actually, I believe it would have. Um, just looking at, um, again, I'll just share my screen here really quick just to, so you could see sort of the threshold there. Um, so, I, so I have the snow and sleet. Um, uh, risk sort of highlighted. And at the bottom, the extreme would be snow or sleet uh, with greater than or equal to 10 inches um, along the Blue Ridge and West. Um, that's sort of the areas that, you know, tend to see more snow than um, that's the areas out in the, in the East, by the East meaning East of the Blue Ridge, um, where those thresholds there are a little bit lower um, just because, uh, you know, it's, it's snow is, it's not it's not uncommon to get snow there, but it's it's um, you know what it is. It's sort of it's pretty impactful, even even small amounts of snow. Um, but sort of here in the western sort of mountains, um, you know that includes uh, the Allegheny, 
uh, Ash and Watauga counties, uh, when I said Blue Ridge and West. Um, I think that that March 20, 24th snow event we just had this winter, I, that probably would have classified as extreme, um, especially along some of the mountains there uh, where we had snow amounts as much as, I believe, forecasts of, as much as a foot. Um, so that certainly would have would have qualified. So I think that was one, but not a hundred percent positive. But I think that would have that would have met that sort of criteria. Gotcha. Things we don't like to see so much on our uh, on our products. No, no, absolutely not. All right. Well, uh, I'll open up the floor here. Any other of our panel members who may have a question? Anything from you guys? Yeah, I've got a quick one for you, Andrew. Um, you were showing. Um, I think it was the lightning threat for Moorhead City's office. And uh, let me just share my screen here real quick. I'll pull it back up uh, one second. Sure. Here we go. Um, and, you know, given that it looks like, you know, some of these fields are heavily driven by the gridded data sets, which makes sense. You know, I just noticed looking here, it looks like, you know, for tomorrow, pretty much all of the Moorhead City area is in a limited shading except for Cape Lookout, which for some reason is classified in none. So I'm just curious, is there is there a risk, um, you know, for localized areas that, you know, that we could be telling people in specific area, well, it looks like you don't have to worry about lightning, but everywhere else in the region, there's at least a limited threat. So I'm just wondering without that, augmentation from the forecaster um could that be a potential issue there yeah i guess there's sort of that um you know sort of the idea that maybe some you know sort of confusing messaging there maybe um that that sort of all falls out of their um their forecast grids um so i would think that if you click if you actually clicked on say the um, the point and click forecast for that sort of area where there is that green shading, um, they probably it probably would not show there to be any sort of thunder there. Um, so yeah, that's that just all sort of falls right out of their uh, you know their sort of forecast database there. Um, you know, whereas that or the the, sea, the cool sea surface temperatures might be factored in there as well. Yeah, that could be a sort of a, a limiting factor too. Um, you know, just especially like that. I actually haven't really looked too much at the weather for tomorrow, but um, you know, I I don't I don't think it's I don't think it's a pattern that's really potential like sea breeze kind of idea. Just because, but I could be wrong. Yeah. Okay, I've got uh, one more question for you, and that is, it's been experimental for let's see, nearly two years now, uh, or going on the second year because starting two thousand sixteen. And I remember we had a guest on the show whenever this started up. Scott, you remember that? When I think it was a wintertime show for a snow event. But um, at what point will this not be experimental anymore and actually be put into practice? Is that something that's being discussed now? Is it? Is it? I know we're going through the proving grounds, but is there sort of a timeline to look forward to? Yeah. So um, as far as this being actually truly operational, um, those discussions are still ongoing. Um, I wish I could provide you a sort of a time when it may become operational, but I just, I don't have that information. Um, but what I can tell you is that, um, for all these, for all of our, sort of our Eastern region offices, um, so really all of the, all the offices that serve the Carolinas, um, this will become available, um, by this summer. Uh, but as far as when we'll be able to sort of lift that experimental tag, um, that's, that's sort of still up in the air. Um, again, I wish I had that information available to sort of show you on, on the, to tell you on the show, but that I just don't have. But um, one thing I will say though, is that if, if you do see or have any feedback, that's, you know, that's great for us to really sort of, you know, and there's a link at the bottom too, and I can quickly show you where that link is. Um, I'll just quickly share my screen and go back to the, so you click this little elect electronic survey at the bottom. Let's call it, it's a green hyperlink there that's shown. Um, that's that's great for, um, you know, just letting us know where, what's good about the product and what we can improve. And that's really important, really for a lot of our, a lot of our new sort of new experimental products. Um, 
we just released the probabilistic snowfall outlook just um i'm sure it's, i'm sure that's been um you know that's sort of another example where that that type of information feedback is good for us but certainly for the enhanced uh hazardous weather outlook that sort of electronic survey with both positive and you know not so positive feedback is beneficial for us to make this product the best it can be so if it's non-operational, does that mean I have to put the giant disclaimer on there? It says the EHWO is non-operational, experimental, blah, 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 like O16? Like O16. <laughs> um, yeah, that's it is. There's that experimental word up on there, but that, that is sort of funny. I do like that. Yeah. Right. We, we, we appreciate everything that you do, even experimentally. I mean, that's uh, it's all helping going towards the the great cause, everything that you guys do for great effort. And um, so thank, thank you for... For working hard on this product because we know that uh, it, it does work it uh, it helps out a lot with the forecasting tools well thank you shay and and, and thank you all for um let me talk about the uh, hazardous weather outlook no problem but we, we we're not gonna let you off the hook yet we do have a viewer question uh it's not really dealing with the the topic that we we're talking about but uh dean davidson was wanting to know if you could uh discuss uh, maybe briefly about the uh, tornadoes you guys had come through the area. And uh, he was wanting to know specifically one about uh, Bedford County, uh, Virginia. Uh, maybe you just kind of uh, talk about the, the tornadoes that, that moved through your forecast area, the, what, two weeks ago? Yeah. Um, yeah, actually, I think today we actually just, um, it's funny that we um, we sort of let off the show. Uh, just with the the Greensboro tornado and that supercell that uh, pretty much tracked from, I mean, that supercell really tracked all the way up into central Virginia. Um, you know, sort of the, the most impactful. Um, and that's not to necessarily, you know, minimize the other tornadoes that affected, um, you know, but sort of the biggest one in our, our forecast area was um, the Campbell to Amherst County one. And that one, we actually just expanded the the track and the time. It was on the ground for almost a half an hour. Um, so that was um, that was an EF three. Uh, so that caused some some really significant damage. And um, so that's that was sort of the the major one. Actually, that went through the western sort of side of Lynchburg on the way. So that's sort of a you know Lynchburg is our second biggest city in our sort of area of responsibility so that's that's sort of uh, you know significantly that's a significant this is a big one a really important one um you know the tornado that went through greensboro um it tracked its way through um, rockingham county the eastern part of the county and um uh, went up through um you know monroton reedsville ruffin um and it was right in the f2 um you know, so that, uh, you know, and there was, uh, I believe some of the worst damage there was, um, at least that was reported to us and what was, what we had surveyed was um, a mobile home that was uh, carried, I believe it was 80 to 120 yards into a car where there were some, uh, seven injuries resulted as that mobile home was ripped off its foundation and uh, sort of hurtled in the you know, 80 to 120 yards on, onto this motor vehicle. So not only was there damage to people, you know, injuries um, to the, unfortunately to the, to the residents, but also the people in the car as well. So that was the second one. That same tornado moved all the way up into the Western part of, of Danville as well, which is our third biggest city. Um, so that's, um, I believe there was one that was the EF1 that was in Bedford, I think. I think that was just released today. If I was, if, if I'm, if I'm correct on that, so that would be, uh, that would be the fourth one. And then we had sort of, I think that that fourth one was on the ground for maybe a, a minute or two. It was pretty small um, in terms of, you know, as far as how long it was on the ground for. Um, a lot of these, and then we had also one in Craig County, um, sort of just northwest of, of Roanoke that uh you know sort of in the Craig county area uh, that was also an ef1 uh that was that was also on the ground for just just a minute but it was enough to flip cars 
and you know cause some pretty some pretty good tree damage as well. That was, that was five tornadoes, um, and just the you know this was, that was kind of an interesting day because you know you maybe didn't have the you know sort of we talk about you know what um, sort of what parameters you need for severe weather. It's uh, a really strong um, instability or buoyancy. Um, you, know, you also need, um, you know, some sort of mechanism, a lifting mechanism. In this case, it was a really strong frontal zone. Um, you also need to have the good moisture. And um, it was the first, one of the first few days we had dew points in the, in the 60s, if I, if I remember right. Um, so sort of seasonably high moisture. And then we also had just, I mean, the, the, sh the wind shear was off the charts. Um, that was that was real impressive for, um, and I know just really just sort of uh, working that event. Um, Danville reached 80 degrees, and once Danville reached 80, we sort of we knew it was going to be bad. Um, but um, it was interesting too because you get on the other side of the Blue Ridge, and it was much, um, it was cooler and you know what we call more stable. Um, so the atmosphere there was a little more hostile for. Um, for severe thunderstorms, but just given just the how much how much wind shear was in the atmosphere, um, you really did not need much uh, much instability to cause severe weather. And we see those sort of cases a lot of times in the in the Carolinas, especially early in the in the severe weather season. Um, and sort of what's called the high wind shear, low low cape scenarios. Um, those are the ones that you know can produce some. It really, I would say, it, and a lot of times that produces some of our worst severe weather. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I guess it kind of, for your area, you know, the old myth that tornadoes can't hit in mountainous areas, and, and that's just totally not true, as as uh, a lot of your forecast area, you know, is pretty mountainous in that area. So, Andrew, thanks so much for uh, joining us. I want to give you the opportunity to uh, pass along any social media uh, if you want to promote the office or maybe even your personal Twitter account, how folks can get in touch with you guys. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, so our personal office, well, my personal Twitter account is at Andrew Locanto, L-O-C-O-N-T-O is so how I spell my last name. Um, so that's my personal account. Um, but you know, definitely, um, especially if you live really any of in our forecast area, um, sort of our office Twitter account is at NWS Blacksburg. Um, and we greatly appreciate any, any reports of, of photos of, uh, any, any sort of, we try to be as interactive as we can be. And, uh, really any sort of reports we get, especially in active weather, or even in inactive weather, just, Give, feel free to give the office a tweet. We greatly appreciate that. And I think Shay will uh, echo these thoughts as, as he helps me with uh, booking and stuff. Uh, anytime we've asked Blacksburg office for help on our show, they've always been willing to help us. And so we want to extend our appreciation and thanks to you guys up there as well for uh, jumping on anytime we ask. Yeah, no, and thank, I mean, thank you for having me on the show. And, you know, I certainly speak for all of us here in, in the weather service in Blacksburg. We, Appreciate the opportunity to come on to come on the show, no, no question. And we thank you very much for that. Yeah, no, no problem, no problem. Well, we're gonna switch over to our tweets of the week, right quick. So, um, before we end our show, does anybody? Have, I know Ricky had shared his tweet earlier in our little chat. So, Ricky, you want to start with yours, or? Yeah, give me uh, about two <laughs> up here. Um, stand by. And I to share that's what i wanted to share this is kind of neat i found this from uh tim cermak the other day uh towering cu on twitter this is a link to get photographs based off the vertical wind profiles from the 88 ds so for example we can take uh let's pick gsp tonight for example and we'll uh click generate photograph bulk richardson right moving photograph and there's a nice little photograph, which thankfully is pretty calm tonight over GSP. I was trying to think of an area that would be kind of wind shearish tonight. There's really not a whole lot of areas. Uh, we could try AKQ, Wakefield, Virginia, and see what they get. A little bit more curvature there. But basically, this was kind of neat. And with those storms that were down 
in the Mobile, Pensacola area the other day. This was the wind profile from some of those storms that produced the tornadoes near Fort Walton Beach. You can see the nice curved photograph there uh, showing the nice wind shear they had over the area. 30 knots, 0 to 1. 0 to 6 was 56. Uh, storm metal felicity, 0 to 1 kilometers was uh, 310. And 462 for 0 to 3. So, yeah, that would pretty much do it. So, neat little sight uh, you want to see what the wind profile is over your area. All right. Thank you for that, Ricky. That's pretty cool. I'll have to bookmark that one. Uh, Jordan, you have yours or Jay? I do. All right. Go ahead, Jordan. Um, hopefully you can see it. So, yeah, sticking on the severe weather theme, uh, a lot of uh, – in the news lately about how little uh, tornadoes have occurred in the, in the traditional tornado alley out in the great plains. And so this was a neat uh, tweet actually from NWS Sacramento, who uh, apparently there have been more uh, California tornadoes uh, year to date uh, than there have been in Oklahoma, Kansas, Nebraska, basically the entire great plains with the exception of Texas, I believe combined. So uh, just a pretty incredible drought of tornadoes there, although the pattern looks like it might be changing to a more favorable Great Plains setup going into early May. So we'll see how long this drought continues. I was gonna that mean Scotty and I need to drive west? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I need to drive west. Let's go. It's time. Uh, I, I know uh, Rick Smith, a uh, uh, buddy of ours here at the show, uh, Rick's been uh, very vocal about uh, folks not letting their guard down. He said, you know, we've had a, we've had a slow starts to the tornado season before. And I think he tweeted out and it should have been my tweet of the week. He said, but after one day they had 56 reports, you know, from, from an outbreak that happened, I think it was maybe 2010, 2011, something like that. But just because it's a slow start doesn't mean it's going to be a bad season. And it's like, a, I think as Gary Stevenson says, you know, it only takes one storm to affect your house for it to be a bad season. So uh, definitely, uh, and like you said, Jordan, it does look like the pattern starts to change a little bit out there um, next week. So, Shay, you have uh, one pulled up. I do. I'm trying to check the um, the local storm reports for the Fort Walton area because mine has to do with that. It's not actually a tweet. It looks better on Facebook, and I'm going to get that playing right here. Um, I think this was the EF zero tornadoes. What this was listed as. So that's what the local storm report is saying for the 22nd. And let's see, I'll go ahead and um, this was a really, really interesting uh, spin up. And it's, um, I'll go ahead and push play here. This one, this was a water spout, came in off the ocean, ended up over land as a rotation aloft, then picked up some momentum and grabbed the roof off of a house before it made uh, its presence over water again, which turned into a full water spout. And you'll see it in, in its evolution here. Uh, what a vantage point this guy has being up on, I don't, I don't even know, maybe the third, fourth floor of a what looks like a condo building, but you can see the, the violent twisting and, and it just pretty much tore the roof off of this brick house on the other side of the um, the sound there. Comes across the river. Of course, there's some verbiage going on here, which we'll, we'll mute there. Not, nothing too bad, but uh, basically just some screaming and, uh, you know, concerned people. And, and, and Shay? Wife is what I remember. Yeah, and Shay, while this is going on, I think it was James Spanner. Someone said, "If you notice the the dam or the debris that's going in the water, the big splashes it's making." He he was making a point that you know that's the debris that that could potentially affect you know an individual if they weren't really taking shelter from this. Oh, absolutely, that kind of thing right there would would you know it could definitely injure if not kill people. That that, that kind of debris, even if it looks flimsy in the air, and you can see this coming on to land and keeping more spin and, and snapping some power lines and blowing a transformer or two. And it's definitely a tornado. This was listed as ES zero, I'm sorry, EF zero in the, um, in the LSR for the Fort Walton area. And that's, that's not the national weather service mobile, but yeah, absolutely. James Spann is correct. Uh, that debris, even though when you see it on camera, it looks like it's moving slow. It looks like it could be light. That, that could be giant chunks of roof that weighs hundreds, if not thousands of pounds. It's just being suspended. And it looks like it's floating because it's light, but it's not. When it hits the ground, if you're under it, it's not good. So, and James Spann actually has been posting a lot of material with two by fours and objects going through walls of homes into the hallways, which once again stresses the fact that you should be in the central closed in area of the house if there's a tornado nearby. It's just that, that important, even in a bathtub in, that, in the central bathroom, 
even better because you're more shielded. So it's, um, you know, that that's exactly right, Scott. I, I'm glad there's nobody in that house. Uh, it was reported everybody's okay. There's no one injured uh, and that everybody's okay. It just sort of went, went through the area very quickly and people got lucky. So, uh, yeah, pretty intense, though. I mean, how, how it goes from one ex, one from land to wire to land to water uh, or wire to land and the, the other way around um, hopping. But, you know, typically those are classified as water spouts, but it did do some damage on land. So they did classify it EF0 once again. So interesting, very interesting weather. Yeah, no, I mean, I know, I know the, the, the person taking that video should have been inside, but just dramatic footage, you know, seems like we're getting more and more of these dramatic footages of tornadoes and, you know, it's, it's dangerous because of that debris that we were talking about, you know, you just never know where it's going to go. Um, my tweet of the week tonight is kind of weather service related. I love these maps. And uh, this one was tweeted out today by Daryl Herzman. Uh, this was since January 1st, 2015 up into today, uh, the number of special weather statements. Um, uh, and, and I know in some areas it, there are um, other uh, verbiage to it, but kind of the, the whole general thing is just special weather statements. Maybe it's about thunderstorms or heavy rain or wintry weather, but whatever the case may be, uh, as you can see, the Southeast uh, really uh, hitting at home with these special weather statements up there in Andrews uh, neck of the woods. They had over 4,000 of them sent out uh, GSP over 4,000, uh, the Peachtree city office, almost 6,000. And then down there, Charles uh, Charleston's office, Shay, uh, approaching 1,500, and over in the Raleigh area, uh, just over 2,300 of these special weather statements issued. So uh, it kind of shows you the hotbed that the southeast is with, with any type of weather. So uh, I guess the loan is the Las Vegas office. They've only had four uh, since uh, January 1st, 2015. So uh, That's that was- a very interesting map. That's really, really neat. Let me, um, I'm sorry, let me present that to everybody. It says up on the screen all the time. Let me... Uh, let me go back to it, Shay. I've already logged off of it. Hold on one second. I'm going to make a comment about Georgia. Wow, that's... um. Uh, where's it at? All right, can you see it? Yeah, the, the okay. Atlanta area. That's um. That's pretty fascinating. That's an area where a lot of thunderstorm activity occurs. You have a lot of you know, urban heat island effects in those areas. And, I mean, wow, that's, that's amazing that that area... I mean, northeast Florida, southeast Georgia, you could definitely... You could. I, I just wouldn't think to see that many in the Atlanta area, but it makes total sense for where it is. And we're not just sipping on sweet tea here in Charleston, by the way. They, they are a little bit conservative, but well, you know. and, and one thing that kind of strikes me is how the whole East Coast has got, you know, numbers almost in the thousands, and then you look at the the Washington D.C. Baltimore office, and they've got two hundred twenty six. So that's kind of uh, stuck out to me as well. Yeah, uh, definitely. And sometimes that. Sometimes that depends on, um, you know, local office policy. Um, sometimes that that will play into it. Um, the special weather statement too. It's one of those uh, sort of free form products that sort of kept sort of kept. It's a catch all for some offices. Will use it for, uh, for example, just to raise awareness of severe weather on a particular day. Um, I believe in the March twenty fourth event with the snow event we had. We try to use it to sort of indicate the onset of wintry, sort of more hazardous wintry conditions, um, and then they're sort of the end, like for sub severe thunderstorms in the summertime. Um, I think just with the maximum across the southeast, you know, you sort of get those sort of what we call pulse thunderstorm days where the storm will come right up. Um, you know, in a couple of volume scans, they're gone. A lot of times, the the special weather statement is usually the way to go with those, but you know, if, if storms get stronger, then obviously we'll pull the trigger with the severe. But, um, you know, typically the special weather statement is a lot good way to handle those kind of summertime sort of sub-severe storms that sort of give you a, a good soaking downpours and, you know, continue uh, excessive lightning. I, I know they're they're well uh, well used here in western North Carolina. And like you said, during summertime thunderstorm season, uh, I have them. The INWS that comes to my phone, and it's just after one after the other. So, uh, but they're very useful. And, and Ricky, I think your office, Morristown, 
Uh, I think they may use a different verbiage in special weather statement. It's slipping my mind what they're called, but I, so yeah, they they issue special weather statements and significant weather advice. Yeah, there's criteria it. for significant weather advisories. It's over, uh, I believe, forty mile per hour winds or a certain amount of hail, uh, lightning. It's kind of it not really seen seen as a step higher, but it's uh, it's just another product that's out there. It seems to be more popular in central and western regions, kind of deal. Southeast yeah. region. Yeah, I knew I, I knew it was. I just couldn't remember the verbiage of, of what they called them. So, well, let's uh, let's quickly look at the schedule. What's coming up next week? Uh, as we've been talking about here for the latter part of the show, uh, we're going to discuss the Greensboro tornado uh, next week with Tim Buckley, chief meteorologist at WFNY, and Taryn Kirksey. He is also a meteorologist at WFNY. This will be Taryn's first appearance on a uh, Carolina Weather Group and. I think he's been in the Carolinas almost a year now, so we'll, we, we finally got to uh, snag him into our show. And then on the 9th of uh, May, we're going to have uh, Dana Griffin on from the National Weather Service in Huntsville, Alabama. Uh, we're going to be talking about the global uh, lightning mapper. And then on the 16th of May, Cheryl Nelson, a meteorologist in Norfolk, Virginia. She's going to be joining us uh, to talk about preparing for the storm as we uh, get ready to enter the hurricane season and severe weather season uh we're going to be talking about that and then on the 23rd of may we're going to be talking about lightning physics with dr eric bruning out of uh the texas tech university so um ashley uh was able to uh, secure that uh, that show for us so uh that's what it looks like for the next uh four weeks here on the carolina weather group and as always we say if you have any suggestions or any topics or guests you would like for us to uh, bring on just send us a tweet or uh, Facebook message, and we will definitely reach out and see if we can get uh, those shows scheduled for you. So we're always open to suggestions. So again, uh, as we close out, glad to have Ricky back with us, and uh, we hope you all have the re- a great rest of the week. Enjoy, uh, enjoy the weather, and it looks like it's going to be fairly calm, and it looks like a big warm up in store for most of us next week as well. I know I, for one, am looking forward to that. I'm ready to get the 80s. I'm done with all this cool weather. So. Uh, And Jordan's giving me a thumbs up. So everyone have a great weekend, and we will see you back here next Wednesday night on the Carolina Weather Group.